Okay. Hello and welcome. Today is the 11th of March and we are in the middle of International Women's Week. We're at the Whitmore Community Centre and today on Open East Radio we're going to explore ideas around femininity. So I'm going to pass the mic around and we're going to all introduce ourselves so that the listeners can find out who's sitting around the table. Hi, my name's Amanda. Um, I'm a Hackney resident and um, I have some issues with the term femininity. Hi, I'm Newton Dunbar. Um, This is another one of my controversial discussion with Lucia being the host and I'm looking forward to it. My name is Antonia and I'm looking forward to this discussion so that I can be enlightened. (laughs) Hello, I'm Shirley. I've lived all my life in Hackney. Um, I have some issues about the word femininity too. Hi, I'm Joyce. I also live in Hackney and I have a problem with the word feminism. Hi, I'm Malcolm. I just have a problem. I lived in the East End uh, 99% of my life, really, um, and I've been away and come back and been away and come back and I just can't leave. And I'm here to learn a couple of things from these women. Hi, I'm Lawrence, former... Hackney resident, now live by the seaside. I've come back today to see some old friends and do some radio. Excellent. So, welcome everyone. So, it's interesting that when we went, we went around the table, um, quite a few of you have got some issues with the word femininity. So, why don't we start with that? Why have we got some issues? So, let's start um, with Amanda. What, what's your problem with the word femininity? I think the main problem is is that women don't really own the word. It's been uh, it's a construct which has been imposed on us to by other people, whether that's been marketing companies or men or or econ- the economy or governments to 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 tell us what we are and how we should behave. And I think. Uh, it's not in my vocabulary, actually. I don't use it, and I don't think I, I think I've rarely used it in my life. It's not a word I have any affinity for, and I think it's a redundant word. So, um, Shirley, you also said that you had a, a problem with this term. Yes, I think it is. I agree with Amanda, and I think it's um, an out of date word in the sense that um, in Western culture, it's it has been abused as a word so long, misinterpreted for so long, that it's too late to change it, how people perceive what femininity means. And, um, okay, we could, we could have a battle to change what it means, and in a sense, if you like, to reclaim the word, if it ever was a good word. Um, but I think there are much more important battles and I think, you know, feminism battles are much more important than battles about femininity. Okay, great. Um, so I think there's also a bit of confusion about what the word actually means. Lawrence, you looked it up on Wikipedia. Do you want to give us um, a definition so that we're all clear about what we're actually talking about? 
Uh, I had to look it up because I didn't really know what it meant, um, which I, I don't know how to feel about that, really. I feel like I should know what it means, but I didn't. So I looked it up, and, it, and as, as was said a moment ago, it, is, it seems on a quick reading to be some form of social construct that is made by people. Um, and it, it's meant to describe or associate the attributes of womanhood. Um, some of them are traditionally cited as gentleness, empathy, sensitivity. Um, I have to say, I, I have some female friends that are gentle, empathetic and sensitive, but I also have male friends that are gentle, em- empathetic and sensitive. And I also have, you know, many, a, a long list of female friends that, you know, are super strong, really fiery, loud, <laughs> hard. <laughs> um, and all of those are really great qualities too so yeah that's that's some of the small things that wikipedia very quickly tells me so could i just say then that i think that's really interesting um and part of what it said was it's a social construct construct but the fact is that all contracts have been so male dominated for so long that by definition it has to be a male social construct and that's what the problem is with it so maybe there's room here to reclaim the word femininity. Is that a, something relevant that we want to do? Amanda's shaking her head. I think um, Shirley's already outlined why this is probably a waste of time. There are many battles for women and for humanity, actually, not just women. And reclaiming the word femininity, I don't think is particularly desirable. I think it's a bit of a red herring. Actually, it isn't about the words. It's about how women define themselves, but also how so- pushing back on how society and, dare I say it, capitalism defines women and motherhood because it, most of it is driven by econo- economic imperatives. So if they need the women at home, then that's the definition of womanhood. If they need them in the um, munitions factories then they redefine it. If they, if, if, if they need them out on, on the land or working and looking after the home, it's defined by other people and by economic systems. And I think just spending time trying to reclaim the word is not helpful. It's a bit of a, it's a red herring. I completely agree with you, actually, Shirley, on that one. I agree with both Shirley and Amanda. I think it's, it's other people defining us as, as, we, as women. But it's high time for us to reclaim it. I use that word when I've, we started discussing that we have to reclaim it. It's not about what people feel about us. It's how you, we feel about ourselves. We have to make sure that we put it outside there, with, you know, that this is who we are. You, you, we don't need anybody to define us. In, it, it, we are all human beings. And uh, I don't think it, it, it is right for any section of society to try and define another section of society for their own gain. Because I think it is for, like Amanda said, about money, about, you know big concern, government, so that they can stratify people within the category where they want to. It's like putting somebody in a box, that you're a woman. 
and that's the that's as far as you can go that that is not acceptable in today's society thanks antonio joyce um you were you were uh when we were kind of um talking earlier um you mentioned that there's this um prayer day for women do you want to tell us a little bit about that yes um each year um different churches get together and in fact this event is the only time you get orthodox um presbyterian catholic and other churches get together and meet and it's a day of prayer and we we pray each year for um women who are lesser in their in their country this year it was the philippines and their women they work and do not get any salary no pay or the children they they have no food because of that and so we pray each year for 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 help and and we give donation and it happens all over the world in fact i think it started in the in america in the 17th century and it does help because um then the the government is aware of it and they might do something about it but it's a good thing for that um come to feminism i think this word is overused and it's trans- transitional because to me i i believe in equality and this this we could say that um men and women should be equal in salary in in everything they do and yes they might have different temperament they might be gentle or or whatever but if we all respect each other it, it would become clear what we are all fighting for and this is what what i i i think so i think around this table we we all agree that men and women you know on the surface should be equal the fact is they're not at the moment yet um so has anyone got any thoughts as to why that is and what we can do newton well well i believe that equality is or should be something that is strived for and even though the general concept of what equality should be and stated so by the idealists is that all men are born equal but i believe that everything should be balanced and find its own balance and if all things were similar to what i would, could call a monopole just one aspect of itself then there'd be no variety in life and no activity in life because as i said previously all things of any worth that is achieved should be strived for so that's why i think about um the equal aspect of each different sex and meaning male and female is 
indivisible in one sense, and yet from the perspective of idealism, it should be a contradictory <laughs> equal. I'm just interested to know, for those of you who have children, um, whether the way that you've brought up your girls and boys is exactly the same or whether you've unconsciously kind of put this construct of a boy is like this and a girl <coughs> is like this. Um, so, Antonio, I know you've got children. Yes, I, I have got children and I've got grandchildren. Um, but I will go back to my own childhood. I, I had a senior brother uh, and I'm forever giving him my toys or anything because and that concept doesn't it doesn't agree with me. Why should I give him my toy or my thing because he's older than me, because he's a boy? So I pray that I have boys when I get, you know, that is what was on my mind, that I would like boys when I grow older, when I get married, I'm going to have boys. And I had three boys. You see, the desire of your heart will always be met if you, if you, if you really. And then I see the the downside of it. Uh, my husband was not pleased of what he, he he said. There's nobody in this house that that loves me because all, all these boys they just love their mom. But then, when they started having children, four girls came in a row. And he was in heaven because, you know, he had all these girls, you know, making force of him. And I, on retrospection, I, on reflection, I said to myself, why did you ask God to give you all boys? Now you go girls. So you won't be denied of what you want. But I see the position that they had. I see the privileges that they had that I'm thinking I should. I had to fight to come to this country. He just was sent, you know, because he's a boy, you know, and I had to prove myself that I'm going to do well when I go there to study. Yes, you see, it's what society puts on you, and it has to change because we are all human beings, and, we, you know, we should be accorded dignity, you know. I've got two children. Uh, I've got a 14-year-old daughter, 14 and a half, who is very busy around Hackney. She gets on buses. She goes to friends, much more capable than I am. Mm-hmm. And we, there was a really nasty rape incident down on the Millfields Common recently near the bus stop. And I went into terror mode and I said, you can't catch your bus there on your own. You can't go out, uh, which is probably not something I would have needed actually to say to my 18-year-old son because I don't think two men would, well, the likelihood. However, my daughter's response was really defiant. She said, I'm not stopping any man going where I want to be, which was great, but I was still worrying about it. So we made a compromise and I bought her a rape alarm and one for her friend as well who also used that bus spot and she takes it everywhere. But she forced me to treat her differently, not to treat her differently. The other complicating factor is my son is autistic, so the way I've parented him has had to be different, and it's not to do with his gender, actually. It's to do with his disability. Thank you. 
Any other thoughts? So you brought up something quite interesting, actually, around uh, fear. So um, I think there's, uh, as women, are we just more fearful in society because, you know, of this fear of, you know, the stronger sex, rape, all these kind of things that we, we, we have to be a little bit more fearful? Is that something that everyone's experienced? Or can we just go about our own business and not not really worry about that and and there's as much fear that men have to kind of deal with I think there is fear and I've certainly felt it but I've think I've dealt with it very consciously in the way that Amanda's daughter dealt dealt with it and I said um I'm not going to let anybody else set my agenda so I'm often out quite late I'm an older woman um, moving around on my own most of the time um, and people say to me are you safe are you okay um, interestingly enough where I do a lot of my shopping there's a woman who I go in there quite late at the local Sainsbury's and there's a um, person who works there who gets very worried about me it's so late why are you out and um, she looks at her watch whenever I go in so we've got a kind of standing joke about this now which is nice but um I won't let anybody else set my agenda, but I'm careful. Um, I don't wave my handbag about. Sometimes I will put it in another bag. When I used to wear more jewellery, I would take off jewellery when I was getting off the bus and so on and be a bit more careful. Sometimes I would have a bit of money handy in my pocket so that I can just give it to anybody, anybody who might want to mug me you know, without having to fight over a handbag. I was once mugged right outside my house. And I was screaming my head off, somebody trying to get my bag off. And my next door, immediately next door male neighbour, who couldn't possibly not have heard it, did absolutely nothing about it until it was all too late. Um, So yes, there is fear and one's grown up with it, but I think one has to set one's own agenda and, and I suppose take the risk and in the longer term change society so that we don't have to be afraid. But I think at the moment we do. Um, can I add that we are forgetting the cultural mix as well because of different culture, um, different female act differently. Um, some cannot go out on their own without a man or, you know, their son, their brother, whatever. And then some, they can't go out without a female so it's it's all to do um feminine feminism is is all to do with also cultural mix and um i i believe i still believe that we need to to respect um different cultures and and let them get on with what they have to get on with in society i think that's quite an interesting point and I think we get very muddled about this I personally think that people have the right to believe what they believe and privately practice what they believe but I think also we have civic laws and we have around things like child safeguarding around uh, protecting women from assault and I don't think any community however separatist or however different should be free from those that those those laws that we fought for. So it's a, it's a difficult area where 
where cultural sensitivity meets the law of the land and what's I'm not saying all the laws are right but I think I don't think we can be um respect to a degree but I think I mean there's many women in the Muslim community who who push against that male control very they they, they have faith they're good Muslims but they they don't subscribe to, to some of the things you've described I've assumed we were talking about some Muslim cultures there so I don't know I think I think we accept sometimes when it's not acceptable just quickly in terms of fear of street crime which is kind of mainly what this is centred on this bit of the discussion. My understanding is that the statistics say that young people are much more at risk than than older people, or necessarily females, um, snatching uh, mobile phones and and various things. And it's it's young people that seem to be more at risk of being attacked in the street than than older people. That's my understanding of the statistics. Just a quickie, but also the statistics for domestic violence are, are within relationships and families. I mean, the, the idea of a random stranger raping or, or beating you up is, is... It happens, but it's a minority. It's actually within relationships uh, that most domestic violence happens. I think I would go back to what, you know, Lawrence read from Wikipedia about the qualities that we should all exhibit and it's not for only women. It's for men, too. We, if we're going to change anything, we have to change the perception of society itself. You know, how they see women, uh, that they're vulnerable and weak. And, and that, is, that should be changed. That, that is a big battle. It's a constant battle. It, 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 whether it's in the... Uh, Muslim community that they don't allow them to go out or, or the Christianity too has, you know, oppressed women. But that doesn't, that's why we have to continue to push the boundary that this is not acceptable. It, you know, people should be treated equally, irrespective of their gender or their belief. It, it, it is right for society to keep on pushing that boundary. Okay. Um, thanks, Antonia. Um, Malcolm, you've been quite quiet, so I'm going to jump in and talk. Earlier, you we, we talked about... I'm just going back to the kind of idea of femininity and the idea of expressing that by the way you look and that you had a few things to say about that. So I'm just um, about, you know, women criticising each other and the kind of aspect of women being allowed to, uh, you know, wear as little or as much as they want to express their femininity. My opinion about that is quite simple, really. Um, It's purely and simply that women should expect... And, and be given the right to dress exactly as they wish in exactly the same way as men don't have to ask anyone. Men aren't criticised for the way they dress and they dress absurdly on, on occasions, really. I mean, I think I was a punk for a week. I mean, I, 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 I just find the whole clothes issue ludicrous when people object to women and the way they dress. I, mean, I really think it's totally irrelevant. It's beside the point and it's got absolutely nothing to do with feminism. Um, so really, it's not even. I don't even find it particularly interesting, to be honest. Um, and, and as for uh, uh, being criticised by women 
for the way women dress, I find that even more absurd, really. I mean, women have been fighting and trying to get going a revolution, you know, for, for the best part of this century, and they haven't succeeded yet. They, they're attempting to succeed, and they should be succeeding. And what's crossed my mind uh, while, while a number of people were talking here is really a, a question, and that was, I wonder if it was reversed, and that if men were fighting for equal rights and equal opportunities um, for the best part of this century, um, would they have achieved it by now? Would it have been easier for them because they're in positions of power? And is that the very reason why uh, the revolution hasn't happened yet? Or rather, it has happened. It's happened probably about four times since um, uh, the suffragette movement and then took a, a back seat and then came forward again. And women continue to strive and continue to, to start the revolution. But something's holding it back. Um, is it just men or is it something else? I think that's a really good question. Um, you know, you're right. Women have been, and lots of men, in fact, lots of people have been fighting for equality for a very, you know, for nearly a hundred years now. Yet we are still in this situation where, in a lot of um, jobs and um, places in society, there that equality isn't there. And the big question is, why? What has anyone got any thoughts as to? why we haven't got to this stage where men and women are simply equal and just different but equal. Can I just, just add something that just, just crossed my mind because of, of going into two different supermarkets in, uh, in, a couple, in the last couple of days and I spoke to some of the girls at, at the Tills and uh, four different young females. Um, uh, I had this thing about asking young people questions just to see what the general... Uh, uh, feeling is an understanding of things are um, in 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 the local area here in Hackney, and none of these young girls actually knew about um, the Women's Day, and it really surprised me considering that um, uh, it's it's in the, in the newspaper, on television, on the radio. Why don't they know about it? Because in a way, if that's if that's a, a, a big percentage of a young generation, then actually the generation around this table are not getting the message over to them. I think, I think because it, it is, it's not something that they focus on. They, they're enjoying themselves. They're doing so many things, you know. I, I know it might be naive to say that. I, I don't... My, my granddaughter, you know, she sent me from uni, uh, International Women's Day, to say to me, thank you very much. You are one of the inspiration in my life. And I'm looking at myself, what have I done? You know, but there are people who don't... That doesn't mean that they don't know who they are and, and what, what is important to them. I think when we come back to dressing, I think it's such... A trivial thing because there are more important things that is, you know, ailing women today, like poverty, like, you know, we have to come together to, to eradicate that. Dressing is, 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 is even not in my agenda yeah. because it's not serious enough. It's not, it's not something that we should be focusing on. And we do focus on it. Because to distract us from the real issues of what is making inequality to thrive in our society, we have to do something about and really have serious discussion 
about what is really because if it's good for you, it should be good for me. Absolutely. Um, uh, trying to fathom why it's still not uh, why we're not equal in many ways. There have been incredible steps forward, uh, which in in the last century actually, rather than this century, with um, changes in reproductive health and and um, the Equal Pay Acts. And I'm, I'm speaking specifically about this country. I, I, it's harder to speak to others, but I think one of the big things is that at times like these where there are massive cuts to public services there are massive cuts to schools there's massive cuts to the health service only this week we we just had a budget which disproportionately hit women so women that want to work but that have caring responsibilities that have child children um a budget's come along and basically kicked them in the teeth so the economic realities of trying to sustain a family whether you're a single parent family or you've got a partner, I think it's a massive factor. And I don't think Donald Trump um, assuming power in the States is particularly helping women's reproductive health. There seems to be a lot of issues about who owns a woman's womb. So why, So the politics are, are a big factor. There, of course, there have been massive step forwards around women controlling their health. But, but there are still regressive forces that keep coming back, driven by... M- men and some women, so uh, I think that might be a factor. Yeah, a couple of, I think that's right, but a couple of observations first. I think um, the fight for equality goes back a lot longer than 100 years ago. A lot, lot longer. I mean, the Brontes, when they started writing, had to give themselves men's names in order to get published. There was Mary Wollstonecraft before that. There were, there were women, um, talk about Mary, Queen of Scots even. You know, there was a sense maybe she wanted a bit of equality in, in certain aspects. Um, and Queen Elizabeth I too. So the fight for equality, if we're talking about male-female equality, goes back a lot longer than 100 years. And there certainly have been some steps forward, but they've always been fought for very bitterly. High price has been paid for those steps forward. Um, just to say also that um, I think anybody should be allowed to criticise anybody. I don't think there should be a ban on criticism. Um, clearly, uh, women should be allowed to wear what they like absolutely no question about that but um i what i feel sad about is that apparently um so many women feel that feel that part of their empowerment comes from being free feeling free to show chunks of cleavage and i think it's really sad that that has to be part of their empowerment i mean i think that there could be a lot of other things that could empower women more than that but um and in, in terms of the fight, yes, obviously it's politics and it's capitalism and it's society and it has to be men in the end because we have lived, certainly in Western culture, in terms of a male-dominated society as far back as we can see. I think there is a sense in which organised religion has had a part to play in this kind of differ- differentiation. The oldest monotheistic religions have a responsibility for the differentiation between men and women and in some cases for the domination of men over women. Um, so I think that's something maybe we could take into account. That's an interesting point. Um, so the, there's, we keep coming back to this, but as far back as, you know, 
things have been written down and we can remember there's this kind of hierarchy of men over women and I'm just I keep trying to puzzle around this question and I'm just just trying to work out when why that is the case is this is there a kind of intrinsic fear that men have of women's power and that what women are capable of so that the best way to um deal with that is to subjugate them and to make themselves make men more powerful and diminish female power because of this um just fear just are men fundamentally afraid of women? You're nodding, Shirley. I think that's right. I'm sure they are. And I think when you when you get women men objecting to um, where some kind of equality has been achieved, and then they start jumping up and down saying, that's not fair, I'm being discriminated against. So because I'm a middle-aged white man in a suit, I can't get a job because women are getting being given preference in order to equalise things a bit. So the fact that there are some men are complaining so bitterly about the achievement of women equality where it, in the few cases where it's happened indicates that there is this fear of men that men have about women. But And I think a lot of that comes from religion too, actually, organised religion. But um, that's also part of the culture because men have been brainwashed by the culture as well as women. And so they're brought up to feel fear of women in whatever way. I don't know quite how that works, but I think that might bring up the issue of psychology as a male child, needing being so totally dependent on the mother. So, yeah, the idea of the mother being, you know, everyone is born of a mother. So maybe if we, I mean, that we're going to go down a kind of psychology route here, but then maybe that is the root of everything, that, you know, there is this, you cannot, you know, you are born from a woman, everybody is born from a woman, and, and that kind of creates some sort of fearful situation. I don't know, I'm just putting it out there. But um, that's that's definitely a kind of thought. Um and uh, has anyone else... Uh, Newton, you've been quiet for a while. Yes, I've been listening to so many different and valuable concepts that I'm in the right place in listening. But, um, of course, we are all blinkered. We live a blinkered life, whether we realise it or not. And that life that we live in that form is dictated by what the input is from society and those able to um, use what one could call a brainwashing aspect of things. And it's done in course without us even realizing that it is being done. So the discussion about Women has been given freedom rights in many times for this last generation and the one previously. But for some reason, because instinctively they've been taught to be subjective, they've actually um, pulled themselves out of the race of achieving what they thought at the time was a great achievement. So they've gone back to what I, what I could call a natural role of sub, sub, being subjective and it's instinctive. So 
you can twist it this way and that way. But because of something which is powerfully instinctive, which in, involves motherhood and bringing up children, they've actually sheltered under what they have had in their system or in their makeup. And that's how things will always remain. Yeah, a couple of other things have just occurred to me. One of the reasons for the problem, I think, a contributory factor, I'm not sure how major, is the fashion industry. I think maybe you have to look at the fashion industry and how much money they make out of what women wear and don't wear. Um, they've got a vested interest in all that. And um, there was one other thing that occurred to me that was hasn't been said before, and I've forgotten that. It might come back to me. But actually, that's a good point. There's a theory about, um, so after the Second World War, um, women were starting to feel quite powerful because they were in, in industrial jobs and they were doing kind of what were typically uh, male jobs. And suddenly they were quite enjoying that and, and being kind of out of the home. And the way to get women back in the home was not only kind of creating all these great domestic appliances and getting women excited about them, but was also um, making f women feel very um, insecure about their appearance and making sure that women focus a lot more about what they look like and making them feel very, very insecure and critical of other women about what you know, how they look, so that all their energy was focused on looking good and looking sexy and wearing the right red lipstick and having enough cleavage and all this kind of thing so that they wouldn't be fighting um, to be in these male jobs. So that that's an interesting theory that actually, you know, it, and that's the fashion industry and the advertising industry and all these kind of um, big industries with a lot of money behind them had, had the role in getting women back in the home. I think that's a really important perspective, actually, and, and, and starts to join some of the dots. But um, I do think, on a very basic level, about power dynamics. I mean, most of the men I know are pretty okay, actually, day to day. They're not, they're not subjugating me or anything else. I'd like to see them try. But I think when you look on a sort of structural level you know, the boardrooms, I'm less worried, or, you know, uh, traditional environments. I know locally I used to work for the council. I'm going to say something quite controversial here. And when the cuts, there were a lot of women, there were a lot of black women, there were a lot of Asian women. And over eight years, I visually, you could see the makeup of, of the council as it was facing more and more cuts, that local people disappear, black people disappear. I mean, they do have people, but they were the ones going. And then I, a lot of young, booted and suited MBA types started coming in with their spreadsheets and their rather go-getting approach. This is a bit of a generalisation, but it was very visual to me. I mean, I left a long time ago, but you could see that, you know, with austerity and a changing priorities that weren't about valuing people, um, it was very clear that the men came back in and, and they were the ones achieving. And I think you have to just be a realist, and this is to do with not just to do with gender politics, but it's to do with poverty and social change is people with privilege don't rarely willingly give it up you have to challenge it and you have to take it none of what we've got in society that could be regarded as progress has been given I mean you know children were sent up chimneys and without campaigners and without trade unions 
do you know, we'd probably still be doing that. Nobody would have said, oh, that's a good idea, actually. And I think nothing is achieved without challenge. And I think people think, oh, it's really tiresome, you're going on demos or you're challenging. But actually, it's part of a tradition that has made a difference. And I think no people with real privilege don't give it up willingly. They might chuck you a few crumbs. And I think that's, that's part of the problem. Something. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Lucia. I'm sorry I'm late to come to your parallel radio today. And uh, I wrote something about women last night, thinking of you. You say it's Woman Day today, right? Uh, excuse my English, maybe there's a few mistakes in it because you know I speak French. I wrote Woman Day. Men respect women. If it wasn't for women, you would not be here today. There are more women on this earth because men goes to war and they fight to protect their country, to protect the woman, to protect the person in their life. So men, you love, you love your cat and dog, but women is more important in your life. If it wasn't for women, you would not be here today. How love is important in any human being, in human life. If you love a woman in your life, adore her, respect her, show her love. Once a month, treat her out for dinner, dance, dinner and dance, and show her your appreciation with love. Buy her a nice bunch of flowers and a gift sometimes, what she needs. Women need affection, need the love of men. If it wasn't for women, you would not be here today. Please, God, bless all the women on this earth. Keep them healthy and happy. Amen. Thanks, Sarah. Has anyone got any comments or thoughts? That just lied in the the room, you know, it's totally part of Romo, you know, we take it serious thing about it, and you just brought, it's good, it's good. You see, I think women, uh, men, take advantage of, of, of the kindness and the goodness of, of women. Where we will go a mile to do something, they might just give up, but they know that the women will do it. I think that they cause something, they said, male preserved and that used to irritate me how could it be male preserved no it, there shouldn't be anything like that but thank you very much for breaking bringing that lightness into it <laughs> i i think we should all at least once a month give bunches of flowers to our male partners as well you know i think there should be reciprocal flower giving in general, Malcolm, have you got anything to add to oh, that? Oh, no, I was just thinking, of, um, <laughs> really, um, I was just getting a bunch of daffodils. I was, you know, the idea was so appealing, you know, really. And, and, and a box of roses would be nice girls, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think women do respect men, you know. When, when there is a birthday, you know, when men come home, because, you know, when my husband come home, I always, you know, even though I can't cook, but I know what he likes, I will put things, you know, get it ready for him, you know. And uh, it, you know, I think women treat women treat men well. If you really love that man, you will treat him well. And the same way, if the men love their woman, will treat their woman well. All it needs is love. 
Well, because it's an issue of, of what that treatment is, isn't it? I find, I find all that really difficult. So perhaps better if I um, don't respond to that, but just to say something else that's occurred to me, which is that um, in terms of why it's taken so long to get to real equality, um, I think men are finding it really difficult to get their heads round how much better off they would be if we had real equality between men and women. It's a bit like how employers find it really difficult to involve their workforce in terms of their planning for, for how they run their businesses and all that kind of thing. Real involvement, um, like local authorities find it really difficult um, to in involve the public in the planning of their services, the health service the same. Mm -hmm. And similarly, if men understood what a much more enjoyable society it would be if we had real equality and real respect between each other, um, then I think it would be easier for them to relinquish the power that they find so difficult to get to l let go at the moment. Well, in, in order just to slightly defend men, um, I think there are many of us that have thought that for many, many years. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we're out there. We are out there. Yeah, and I think it shows. Oh, sorry. And I think it shows that, you know, the fear we talk about being in women, that they, they feel insecure about, you know, possibly changes or, or anything in their situation. Men do feel that as well. That's why I said what Lawrence read is really so poignant that what we feel, they feel, but they did not, you know... Um, they don't exhibit it. They don't. They have to keep stiff upper lip or something. But they have that same fear, and that fear they turn it into say, "Well, I use it as power to, you know, uh, put it, try to put women down because it makes them feel good." But if they can admit that they have fears too, like women do, because women, they, we, we're so transparent, we, we're so honest about things. Not that you're not honest, but, but no, we I'm are a, much I'm a more, liar, you know, owning up to say, yes, I know that I'm wrong, but men will not do that, you know, so. <laughs> well, what I want to say, you know, long, long time ago, you know, like if you talk about the prophet time, and uh, the woman was not allowed to go outside the door, they have to, you know, stay with the family, you know, and uh, that's why I think a lot of women, especially in the third world or in Asian country or in Arab country, men domineering the woman because they don't want the woman to go out. They, they want the woman to be like a housekeeper in the house, cook for them, clean the house, have babies, you know, have children. Really, men long, long time ago did domineering the woman because they didn't want the woman to have education. But coming to Europe, women come to Europe to be educated, to get a degree, to, to have that power to teach their children to be independent, not to be domineering by men. Thanks, Sarah. We actually touched on that a little bit earlier. Um, it's nearly the end of the show, so has anyone got anything that they feel that they absolutely need to say before we wrap up that we haven't said yet? Oh, Amanda. I think it was you that was talking about uh, uh, men fight 
to protect the women. I, I just wanted to throw in a little image. I, d- I think it's not so long ago that there were a lot of images flooding the internet of, of Kurdish fighters, and I'd say they're incredible. They were women, and they were challenging that stereotype. But also, the reproductive thing is, is quite important. Women should be able, shouldn't be defined by motherhood. There are a lot more women choosing not to have children, and that's okay too. And they might just want to do something else. Like so I think there are a lot of judgments as well from other women. And I think, yeah, I think there, there are in public images of what women are in, in the media and in advertising. And, but also I think the pressure has to come from all directions. Um, the word power was used. And uh, there is a saying that be, behind every great man there's a woman. Now, if you think of it that way, this is where men get their power from. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and, and when they recognize it, they they keep women down. And that's the only way they see fit. And you find this in people of great power because they've got someone behind them and so that they they're free from doing other things and they just sit and work even probably all all night like people like trump um and and i just want to to round off to say that this um discussion i'm sure it's not finished as yet because there's so much more to be said thank you very much You concluded perfectly for me, so I don't have to do it. Thank you, everyone, for taking part in this really interesting conversation. And it will be available for others to listen to. And we will be back next month. Thank you very much.